Welcome to the B2B Mix Show with Elena and Stacy. Each week, we'll bring you ideas that you can implement in your own marketing strategy. We'll share what we know and advice from industry experts who will join us from time to time here on the show. Are you ready to mix it up? Let's get started. Hi, everyone. I'm Stacy Jackson. And I'm Elena Jackson. We are the co-founders of Jackson Marketing. And in case you still haven't heard, we are also sisters. We're bringing you episode 19 of the B2B Mix show. Stacy, what's the topic of today? Today's topic is for all you marketers out there who are looking for ways to be more in tune with your sales team. This episode is all about learning how to think like a salesperson. And a lot of times we hear a lot about sales and marketing alignment these days and a lot about how these two teams need to be communicating and collaborating to be aligned. Today, we have a sales and marketing rock star joining the show who will help all of you marketers out there learn to think like a salesperson to help in your sales and marketing alignment efforts. And I've been following Jack for a while now because he was on Bernie Borges podcast, Social Business Engine years ago. And ever since then, I've been following him on social. So I can tell you he is the real deal. And his name is Jack Kozakowski. And he is a sales practitioner who is changing the negative image of millennials. He is the global head of B2B's social sales execution for the creation agency, which is a sales training and marketing agency. And he is also the co-founder of skillslab.io and a renowned sales blogger and podcaster. You can find Jack's content in the New York Times, Harvard Business Review, Forbes, and a ton more top media publications. Jack, welcome to the B2B Mix Show. Well, shoot. Can we we do that uh, intro again? Sounded real nice. I like that. (laughs) (laughs) Just just keep that on a loop. Just keep that. We don't don't even need to go any further. (laughs) We're glad to have you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, we are. Thank you for joining us. Would you like to tell us a little bit more about the creation agency and skillslab.io? Yeah, so um, actually, uh, I think in the intro, you said I was the global head of sales, but I've actually uh, got promoted since then. So I'm the CEO of the U.S. division of uh, creation agency. We are a global marketing agency. We have uh, offices in Europe and then we have offices in the U.S. And um, we got about 90 employees globally. And what we do is we help Companies build demand and build, or I, I say this, build brand and build demand. Um, and we do that in a variety of innovative ways. But essentially, we're a marketing automation um, uh, shop. And then we do a lot of, we run a lot of social media for companies as well, some of the fastest growing tech companies. Um, so that's my day job. And then uh, my other day job is skillslab.io, which is actually um, the media wing for creation agency. And so we kind of run the Gary V model, my business partner and I, Jason Sibley. And that is to, you know, give tons of value, you know, educate people on the newest, latest and greatest tools and innovative technologies and ways to, you know, just generate more demand for their business. It's kind of uh, our way to give back. And then, you know, we also do kind of have a demand gen side of that as well. Let's let's go ahead and get down to some business and attempt to transform the minds of all these marketers listening. So. First, let's kind of start with why do marketers need to think like a salesperson? Well, I don't really think you have a choice anymore. <laughs> I've always, I think this is funny because I always ask this question, you know, what's the difference between lead generation and prospecting? There's not really much of a difference, right? I mean, prospecting, you know, right. it's the same, right, it's, it's, kind it's of the same. Ex- exact same thing. We just um, 
you know, we label it two different things for two different uh, departments, right? So, you know, the outbound strategy only that used to work is really, really tough uh, for organizations today. And that's why, you know, marketing agencies are on the rise, right? Because, you know, companies used to be able to do it without marketing. They're like, hey, we just hire enough good salespeople and they'll cool call their way right into this growth. And, um, you know, we kind of know that that's dissipated, right? Now, has it disappeared? No, I'm not going to be the guy that's going to argue with you that cool calling is dead or anything like that. I don't believe that. But <laughs> what I but what I will say is that marketing's never been more important than they are today. But the problem is now marketers have to start thinking differently because so many companies are now adopting digital marketing tactics and lead generation and social media that you know just been the market's kind of flooded. It's noisy. So, you know, as a marketer, now you almost have to think like a salesperson and think, how am I going to capture this data and get my salespeople a conversation? And um, unless you're thinking from a more sales perspective, it's a really, really tough thing to accomplish in marketing. Yeah. You started off in marketing, right? And then you kind of moved over to sales. Is that correct? No, actually, I started in sales. So, um, oh, okay. <laughs> I know it was one one way. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I started in sales. So that was the thing is like, I used to think kind of marketing was kind of a joke for many years. And then when I was at Acton as a uh, regional sales manager, I was just trying to figure out, you know, new ways to get business because I hated cold calling. I absolutely despised it. I hate getting cold called. So I absolutely hated cold calling, right? Like, you know, I don't like to do something to somebody else that I hate getting done to me. So, um, you know, when I was at Acton, I thought, you know, hey, I'm going to try this whole like LinkedIn thing was kind of new. And I'm like, there's got to be a way, there's got to be something in this where I can, you know, have a value versus ask strategy and still get the appointment and then get an appointment that's, you know, farther down the line and, and actually get an appointment where people want to talk to me. I think that's the problem with sales today, right? Is like, well, we could set a ton of meetings, but how many of those people actually even want to talk to you? I think that's a, you know, something we really have to think about. Right. There's a lot of talk about sales and marketing alignment and, and you've seen both sides of the fence. Do you think it's alignment is too concrete of an idea and that there needs to be more of a marketing needs to have empathy or a deeper understanding for sales and vice versa? No, I think they have to work together on everything. I mean, you know, you're seeing it now with, um, a lot of innovative tech companies, you're seeing that marketing is actually starting to own the BDRs or the SDRs because of the simple fact that what, what usually happens is marketing is kind of like in a world of its own, sales in a world of its own. So marketing goes up with this crazy, great campaign. They don't even really talk to sales about it. They launch the campaign, a bunch of leads come in and the, you know, the SDRs are the people setting the appointments or the salespeople are like, what are these, right? They call a few of them. They, you know, they may, might not be too qualified. Well, marketing's not really said to them, hey, these are kind of like middle, you know, top of the funnel, middle of the funnel leads. They're not really warmed up yet. So, mm -hmm. you know, this is how you talk to them, right? We're not going to actually try to set an appointment with these people. We're just going to do kind of an intro call just to say, hey, did you need some more information? We saw you downloaded something. So I think, you know, just this shift in seeing that BDRs are now being owned by marketing and not sales is showing to you that this is the shift in what's happening between you know, whether sales and marketing alignment was a nice to have versus what it is now, which is a need to have because of all the inbound strategies and campaigns that are happening. You know, who's the middleman between those and how is it, how does everybody know they're on the same page so that they actually get the same result that they're both looking for to achieve? Do you think that the companies where they 
they have kind of put the BDRs up under marketing so that they can do some of that qualification first before it goes over to sales. Do you think that in those situations, they don't have as much frustration between those two departments as companies that haven't kind of taken that approach yet? I think the frustration's always there. One always thinks the other one's not doing their job. I don't think that will you know will ever go away. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but you know the fact that companies don't align their content strategy, right? So one of the first things I always look at is I say, okay, how many of your blog articles were outlined and put in the name of a salesperson inside your organization? Mm-hmm. You know, or how many of those were written by a ghostwriter? Sales had no input. Well, that's usually a key to whether or not somebody gets has a good content strategy and it's actually working, right? You'll notice that companies that that marketing team sits with sales and says, okay, what are the five rebuttals you're getting and why are we're not we're not closing these deals or where's the gap? And the salesperson goes, Well, you know, this this is one hindrance. Okay, can you tell me about that? Can you outline five points for me that we could put into a blog article and then you could use that as a way to prospect or a way to, you know, move quit deals from getting unstuck in the pipeline. And we're going to put this in your name, right? So that the salesperson now can kind of become the authority. But on top of that, now that salesperson has a piece of content that'll help them stop a deal. And I'll tell you, when salespeople get involved and they're the ones that start to tell and give guidance to marketing on what to write about and give them the points, that's when you'll start to see actually people read your content, right? Most companies have a crappy content strategy because they have a bunch of people writing content that have actually no real clue what the day in the life of one of their buyers is. Right. And that's one point that we had talked about before we got on the call with you today is that the salespeople really, I mean, the uh, marketing people really need to get more in tune with sales and maybe even shadow them or, or at least interview them and learn how can they better empathize with the buyer and their needs so that they can create the right content and support the sales team. Yeah, it's amazing how many companies just waste money on marketing collateral and marketing content without having any sales people's input. And, and on top of that is, you know, you're kind of in the, we're kind of in the authority and influential stage, which is like, okay, if I'm a buyer and you sent me something as a salesperson, that marketing route, uh, you're just another salesperson trying to sell me. Now, if you wrote something authoritative and you were the one that wrote it, and I'm like, oh, okay, well, you kind of know what you're talking about. I, this is kind of a pain point I have. I'm looking at you a little bit differently when you're delivering content that I that, that looks like you've actually created it, right? So, you know, there's just there's so many different angles on that. But I think that the number one reason you have to start to get aligned on your content strategy with sales is just for the simple fact that just because you know how to write about something and you read about it and then you went and put it on paper, that is not intriguing. Um, it's more intriguing when somebody actually feels like, wow, you're talking to me. That's the same exact pain I have. And marketers, whether if they're not in the, the weeds with the salespeople, they're really not going to ever have a pool for that. Mm-hmm. Right. It's going to be yeah. all pretty. And you- <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's going to be pretty Sound like it's, you know, built, you know, a lot of these companies are building content for SEO. Like, yeah, I'm not a fan of that. Yeah. And it's maybe there's too much of a broad awareness mindset and not that I need to help this person have a one to one conversation and build a relationship and trust. Yeah, I think a little bit of that. But at the end of the day, your content is there for one reason, one reason only. And that's, you know, how can a, another how can a potential buyer relate to it? And it, you know, it can it can help them personally and professionally and fix one of their problems. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
you know, too much content's just written. It's the same old thing said over and over and over. It's really not, not too much value because, you know, a marketer's not a right, like a marketer. There's nothing wrong with that. But, it, but those days are over. We're, we're flooded with ghostwriting content. Like, that's what it is. People are, you, could, you can sniff it a mile away. And so if you really want to get anything, an outcome out of the content you create, you have to have somebody that actually mm-hmm. is in the weeds and can relate to the buyer that you're writing it for. Right. And it's just oversaturation. And even LinkedIn is starting to become very oversaturated with people posting just articles upon articles of stuff. Let's say that the sales team just doesn't necessarily want to spend time giving information to the marketing team, or there's just some some wall there. What should a marketer do in that instance? Because then they don't really know what their sales reps are, are dealing with on a day-to-day basis and what to write about. So how should they kind of handle that situation? Well, I think you just sit with the VP of sales and you say, you never, you know, you're, you better never ever complain about our leads again, right? I mean, like if you, you're not going to work with us, then don't work against us, right? So I think, you know, I've, I, would, I would guess that doesn't happen very often. And, you know, if it does happen, those companies aren't going to be around that long. If they don't want to, you know, if their sales team not, does not want to work with the marketing team and doesn't want to give them input. I think the problem is most of the time sales is begging to do that, right? Mm-hmm. But they're just so siloed that, you know, sales isn't either they're, maybe they're reaching out to the marketing team and they're just kind of like, marketing's not listening. I would say it's more marketing not listening to sales than sales not listening to marketing in my experience. You know, most salespeople are like begging to give you input, right? They're like, man, I hate, why are we writing blogs about this? Like, who cares? Like, you know, can we change the strategy or why did we write this ebook? This ebook doesn't do anything for me. Hey, folks, let's take a break to hear about today's sponsor. And we are back. Um, what do you think those main obstacles are that the marketers face when it comes to trying to create that sales enablement content? Not talking to sales, which is the obvious, but are there other things that are blocking them? Right. It's a process, right? Like um, identifying, you know, what's an MQL, what's an SQL. I think too many marketing teams are passing over MQLs to sales and they're going, Ugh. and they're like, at that point, like you got to be careful because if you pass over too many crappy leads to your sales team, they'll just quit taking you serious and they won't even follow up on any of your leads. Right. So I think, that, I think that's a big piece is like, how do we work together to really nail down, you know, whether that's a lead scoring, I think lead scoring is you know, still relevant, but kind of a thing of the past. Right. <laughs> like how do we identify how long marketing holds on to a lead and then gives it to sales? Which campaigns are hotter than others? You know, that should go straight to a salesperson. I mean, you know, one of the struggles is like a webinar, right? If somebody signs up for a webinar, do you pass that right to sales? We have this argument with our, with, with our, I wouldn't say argument, but we have this discussion with every single client as to should they follow up right away or should they hold on to it, right? A lot of them want to follow up right away with that lead. Mm-hmm. It's like, eh, you know, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I signed up for a lot of webinars and I, right. it could be a bad experience. You don't want to get called by yeah. everybody. Yeah. And also, I don't want to get called before the webinars even happened, right? <laughs> yeah. I see that. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, you're, I just signed up for your webinar. Your webinar is not for two weeks, but you're, what, your SDR is trying to set an appointment with me. Like, I'm already like, yeah. like, like, give me a, you know, give me a little time. Give me Let me learn a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Like there's uh, the experience of that. So I think that's a big struggle. I think the other one is, is technologies mm-hmm. and tracking. I think marketers are not very good at 
setting up systems that can give them the credit they deserve and and actually hold sales accountable, right? I mean, if you're a marketing, you really should be able to figure out, okay, where do, where are our leads coming from, right? Do we know that? Are we using UTM links and a, you know, a marketing automation platform to be able to say, okay, these are the, where the high quality leads come from, or this is where we need to invest more money in paid advertising. They just don't have the systems in place. And that really is going to hurt sales and marketing because nobody's actually going to be able to track and it's just going to be a big guessing game as to what's working and what's not. Yeah, you, know, you got to, you got to, we're in the age of where you can actually build a data driven marketing and sales process. And it only works out better for both of you, both teams to kind of be on the same page to build that stack to get to a point where, you know, you actually can say, this is working, this isn't working, we need to do more of this and less of this, and then hold each other accountable for actually following up on the leads, right? Sales needs to follow up and call these things. Why aren't you calling them? We haven't even touched this. Yeah. And I think even with the marketing automation, when someone implements that in their company and they don't fully understand it, they focus on maybe the vanity metrics that are easy to look at, like, oh, we got this many followers or whatever, and not focus on the the data that really leads to money eventually. Exactly. There's no easy process anymore. So that makes it even more apparent as to, okay, if we're running ads on multiple different channels and we're putting all this ad spin in there and we're doing all this different creative and we have no way to be able to, to understand thoroughly what kind of quality of leads is coming from where and be able to optimize our budget. Like we're, we're bad marketers. I'm sorry, but you're a bad marketer if you can't figure out, you know, if you're spending $10,000 a month in paid ads and you're doing it on, you know, PPC, you're doing it on um, your social LinkedIn ads, you're doing Facebook ads, you're doing Instagram ads, you're doing um, search. Like if you don't understand how many leads and what cost per lead from all those channels are and which ones are the highest converting, like you're a bad marketer. You need to figure that out. That's a big deal. Yeah, that's something that you, you should know because that's going to lead you to make the, the strategy that is going to work best for your company and bring in more revenue. Exactly. So do you think that there's any kind of like confusion between social selling versus social media marketing with between the two teams? Or uh, do you find that there's like a blurred line there these days? Because I know some people call social selling is, is social marketing. It's not social selling. And do you do you find that that gets kind of muddy waters? I think where the bl- where the blur comes in now is social selling and personal branding. I think that's a big blur. Because essentially, if salespeople are doing social selling correctly, they're also building a personal brand. Personal brand is a a byproduct of really good social selling as a salesperson and as a marketer and whatever, you know, as an executive. But you're you're more strategic when you're social selling. That's why the word selling is in it, right? When you're social marketing, it's a little less strategic. It's more of like, uh, you know, I'm going to put this out there. This, This one message, I hope it resonates with a thousand people versus... You know, I hope it resonates with this one person or these 10 people that I'm trying to have a conversation with. As more AI and uh, automation enters marketing and sale- selling becomes a little more being out there in social media or whatever, do you think that the two roles are going to merge a bit more and maybe taking on that how to think like a salesperson mindset as a way to kind of future-proof your career as a marketer? You know, AI... From my experience, pretty much sucks still. Now, you know, what I think is interesting is like, you know, like course.ai, for example, like they do a call, 
they do AI call. They record your calls, they transcribe your calls, they prescribe you know, what you're saying and how much you're talking and how much somebody else is talking. So I think there's like some technologies that are in the infancy stages like that, that are really, really good that you can capitalize on right now, which is analyzing sales calls, sales conversations at scale and letting somebody, letting a technology analyze what you're saying wrong and what you're saying right, what you need to say more of, what you need to say less of, right? And that it's an ongoing one-to-one coaching. But as far as like marketing goes, you know, I've got a few technologies. I use one for, um, we use one for ads called Companion Labs, which is pretty cool. And so essentially what it does is it takes down and breaks down your Facebook and Instagram ads. And then it tells you, you know, if you've got a million people in like a lookalike audience, it tells you, you know, I'm going to break this down into a hundred thousand. You need to spend X amount of money here to get the most return. So it kind of predicts your, where, what audiences you should be targeting and how much you should be spending. You know, that's an infancy kind of stage of AI. But other than that, I'm not seeing too much real AI happening yet in marketing. So it's just a bunch of scare tactics <laughs> when it comes to losing your job at this point. It's just an overused buzzword that, you know, sounds innovative and gets people excited. But, you know, when we test these things all the time and I'll tell you when I get into them, I'm like, no different. I'm still doing manual process, you know, regardless of what AI is. Yeah, I found the same. Like, it, it's not as smart as you're led to believe it is. It's just, a, it seems like just a lot of different pieces put together to pull in the specific thing, information that you need. Yeah, I think, I think AI is good for data, but I, I'm just not convinced that it's going to be good for human interaction. Yeah, I agree. I mean, you know, you're not going to be able to, you're not going to be able to con people through a bot to, to believe that this is like a real conversation. Now, with that being said, it could be an experience where people don't care if they're having a conversation with a real person. They just want to get to the point, figure out what they, they're trying to achieve. And if that's a bot, more power to it. But I think, mm-hmm. you know, this whole idea that we're going to replace sales and marketing with AI is ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> <Phew>. <laughs> so you heard it from the sales marketing rock star. You're okay. You're not going to, your job's not going to be taken by AI. <laughs> So, I mean, there are jobs that will be taken by it. Well, but. that's true. That's true. For any sales professionals that might be listening, what do you think they need to remember when it comes to thinking like or empathizing with the colleagues in marketing? You know, I don't know if empathy is the right word, I guess, but I just think, you know, you, you got to want to care what you got to want to care about what the other sides, how you can help the other side. And you have to do it with like the right motive, right? A lot of salespeople are like, you know, the motive is get me more leads. Like, okay, well, great. Well, well, what, you know, what's your real, if that's your motive, then screw you, right? No, what's your motive is like, you actually want to help us understand, you know, what you're going through on a day to day so that we can help create you content that will actually help you drive more sales conversations. Cause I think, you know, salespeople only just want to rely on marketing when marketing to give them everything they want to lay down. But those days are over. It's not going to happen. Salespeople, you know, Marketing can only get you so much, right? You got to figure out how to get the rest. But if you have a really good motive to say to your sales team, like, hey, where are you guys missing a gap? You guys want, can I help you get a customer into a customer testimonial, right? I mean, how many salespeople are helping marketing get the customer testimonials? I mean, there's just little things like, you know, if you want something from one team, you know, a lot of times you have something that they need in order to get you that. So how are you being proactive and what's your motive on you know, collaborating and say, hey, let me get you this, right? Being proactive and say, hey, I've got a customer that's kicking, we've got a customer that's kicking ass right now. And I just talked to them and they said they would love to do a little testimonial. Um, you want me to set up the time for you guys, right? Like, like help, help, help them out. I mean, a lot of times marketing might not even know who your truly successful customers are because nobody's telling them. 
Right. That's what I was about to say. They may not even know that that conversation happened where all this great stuff was said. True. And so how are they going to take that and use that if they don't even know about it? Exactly. That's exactly it. Are there any final thoughts that you would give marketers to try and get into that salesperson headspace? Salespeople love to talk about themselves. So I think, you know, if you just sit down with people, say, hey, I want to buy you lunch, right? Like, I want to, you know, I want to buy you lunch today and I want to pick your brain. You know, I want to hear about, I want to hear about your day, right? I'm interested in what your day looks like. You know, take that one-on-one time and and Mm -hmm. just get out of the office, right? Get out of the office. And then offer to help them build their, you know, build their personal brand through a marketing perspective. I mean, you know, say to a salesperson, hey, I'd love to sit down and, you know, we're going to ask you these five questions about what you think the future of X, Y, and Z looks like in our industry, right? What's wrong with making your salespeople famous, right? I mean, it's, it, it only does you well to use the people internally. And it doesn't have to be salespeople. It could be your customer success reps or whatever, but you know, there's so many creative ways that you can get people and your, your own employees involved in your marketing. And, you know, very few companies are doing it. It doesn't really make sense. I wonder if they just go about it the wrong way, especially if they're looking for subject matter experts or people to help r- do a blog and they just throw it to them like, hey, will you write a blog? It's like you need to take the time and the effort, like you said, take them to lunch, talk to them, write it up and then let them put their name on it. I mean. Yeah. You know, another thing is, okay, so we see this a lot with clients. So come on and they're like, Hey, we've got all this content. We're getting, we're struggling. Like nobody's reading it. Nobody's sharing it. I'm like, okay, great. Well, you know, here's an idea. Why don't we um, take one of these posts, kind of redo it. And then let's put it on your salesperson's LinkedIn, right? Let's publish it under their LinkedIn. And, you know, since we're not getting any love on the blog, let's give it to the salesperson to try to get some love and some credibility on on LinkedIn, right? Start some conversation. What most people don't realize is that content is the new bridge to conversation. So where you post that content and who it's from will decide who gets the conversation from that content. And so many companies want to put everything on their blog. But you know, at the end of the day, if your real goal is to help your salespeople start publishing under their name and letting them put it on their LinkedIn, right? Help them build some content in their LinkedIn profile. Because that's only going to help you in the long run. And that's going to really help you build their relationship with your salespeople. Yeah. And that's who the customer or the prospective customer needs to trust. That I mean, sure, you want them to trust your brand, but first they have to trust the person that's going to lead them to the deal or the sale. 100%. So we have a for fun question just to kind of wrap it up. So if you weren't doing what you're doing now, what would be your dream job? Oh, wow. I mean, to be fair, this kind of is my dream job. In a- <laughs> I was going to say, you just got upgraded, as Elena said earlier. <laughs> well, I don't know if being the CEO is my dream job. <laughs> it's like, but, <laughs> yeah, but no, I think uh, I think more of like just creating something fun and using mm-hmm. and being able to test. I mean, one of the things that's cool about um, running an agency is you get to buy a lot of technologies that you barely use, right? You, like you get to, you know, you get to play with the latest tools. You get to see if this works. You get to test, you know, you have, you actually have some money to test some different types of ads. You know, you can create any kind of content you want. So I think it's just kind of like the creative aspect of the role is really what kind of keeps me alive every day and, you know, excited to wake up in the morning and, and you know, and then, 
you get to pass that on. So one thing we do a lot is we test stuff internally. That's what we have skills lab for. A lot of times we're going to test something before we go try to get money from a client for it, right? Um, so say, hey, let's try this. Let's do some, we kind of call it the skills lab. It's called the skills lab for a reason, right? It's like, we literally, it's like a lab of you know, me and a few other people, my business partners that we like, like, hey, we want to try this. This looks cool. Let's test this on skills lab. Before we, you know, try to go pitch it and get money from a client, we want to kind of know what we're doing and see if it actually gets results. So I think that's the exciting thing. Not, I don't know if I would, I don't know if I'd want any other career. Well, that's great then. It's great when your passion and dream aligns with real life. <laughs> now, don't get me wrong. There are days where things just aren't working right. And that's kind of frustrating. <laughs> well, sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We all have those days and we just want to go live on a beach somewhere. Exactly. <laughs> so. All right, people, you have Jack's information about how to get in the headspace and in the right headspace and kind of think like a salesperson. So he's armed you with the information and you need to start thinking that way. And it's up to you to apply it to your strategy to start seeing results. So, Jack, if people want to get in touch with you, how should they reach out to you? Yeah, I'm just I'm super active on LinkedIn. So just uh, connect with me on LinkedIn and uh, you know, reach out and with, you know, if you've got questions, I'm always down to have a conversation. Great. And we will include your uh, link to your LinkedIn profile in our show notes. So don't worry, people, you don't have to go look it up. We will connect you through the show notes. Jack, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yes, thank you. And if you want to get in touch with me or Stacy, you can hit us up on social. On Twitter, you can find Stacy at Stacy underscore Jax. That's S-T-A-C-Y underscore J-A-X. And you can find me at Elena J underscore Jax, A-L-A-N-N-A underscore J-A-X. If you're not a Twitter fan, look us up on LinkedIn. And don't forget, you can always leave us a voicemail on the Anchor mobile app. Have a great week. Bye. The B2B Mix Show is hosted by Stacy Jackson and Elena Jackson of, you guessed it, Jackson Marketing. If you need help with your B2B inbound marketing efforts, visit us at jacksonmarketingservices.com.